Well, hey, I want to start a brand new series tonight called Love Is, and if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to go through it verse by verse, and we'll get a good ways through it tonight, knock on wood, but um, I do, I've done about 30 weddings, I guess, and as a pastor, I've even been doing one this weekend. It's funny, the one I'm doing this weekend, I don't know the couple, it's the first one I've never known the couple, so the last one I did was actually Kate's and, and Bradley, so I did a wedding of... Uh, people that I knew well, Bradley, I knew since he was born, and the very next one, I don't have any clue who these people are, but they're really sweet. Uh, I did meet with them, but uh, I, in every single wedding, I always bring in 1 Corinthians 13 in the mini-message, and uh, there's such powerful points just for living. So specifically, it can be used for marriages, but extensive. You can use it in relationships. You can use it in your own life. I thought was interesting when I, once I thought about this series and thought about what I would say in just a few moments is what living in love does for you as a person. And hopefully by the end of tonight, I'll show you just a little bit of how walking in love is more than for someone else, but really what it does inside of you. Um, it's does, do, have you ever had this where you somebody just irritates you consistently? And I don't point. <laughs> and I've had this happen probably five or six times just in the last few years that somebody has just absolutely irritated me to no end. And uh, it's one of those things where there's just a constant just jerk or nag or whatever it is and every single time without fail the the lord deals with me and they get added to my prayer list and then i start having to pray for this these people every day so my prayer list is about 50 50 50 50 percent of people that i do like and 50 percent of people that i love to slap (laughs) but but God gets you to a place where when you have issues with people that he's more interested in dealing with you than with them. And I, it irritates me when he does that. I, I hope he doesn't, is not as cruel to you as he is to me. But every single time that I struggle walking in love towards somebody else, God deals with me. And I just find it, ironic and interesting and irritating at the same time that I seem to be, they're the ones with the issues and I'm the one being corrected. Let's just start in 1 Corinthians 13. And, and if you need some fill-ins, we've got fill-ins. I'll, we'll get to those in a second. It says, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I did not express myself with love, my words would be reduced to hollow sounds of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. Now think about, you know, when kids play around with pots and pans or something, and the illustration that Paul gives to the church at Corinth, he says that if I don't have love, and even though I think I might have eloquent ways of saying things, that without love in my heart, I know, I'm sorry, I told you I wouldn't wear the screen, I'd didn't want to wear the screen, so he says you can't breathe into it. This is what it sounds like. Now, now, wouldn't this be irritating a time or two if... But that's the illustration he, he gives, that if we think that we have all kinds of wisdom and insight into the heavenly realm of language, that if there's no love in it, it's just an irritating sound. 
Let's keep going. I think that's my only irritating sign. Your first, your first fill-in. Our words without love are empty noise. That it makes a lot of sound, but it really doesn't do anything. It gives a lot of effort, but there's really nothing that is progressing our lives or pushing us forward. That no one wants to hear our words without love. Don't point again. <laughs> I'm trying to save this relationship up here. with. <laughs> uh, but have you ever had somebody that just, all they did was talk? They went from, <laughs> Allie's looking around. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> all they did was they went from one subject to the next subject without breathing to the next subject. And I'm in awe 90% of the time. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you just go from one subject to the next? I, you know, think about three things that I can say to somebody. I'm like, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> But have you ever been around somebody that they just talk and talk and there's no substance to it? They're just going on and on about everything under the sun. And the, Bi <laughs> the Bible says that that just creates a bunch of noise. It goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doris, that was funny. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy, think of that, prophesying the future and profound understanding of God's hidden secrets. I mean, you claim that you know God's hidden secrets. And if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that one could, that one could move mountains, but I've never learned to love, I am nothing. That it takes us to a place where even if we think that we're all that, that if we don't have a heart that's operating out of love, then, then Corinthians says, I'm reduced to nothing. That having a great understanding of all wisdom without love is purely self-serving. And if there's anything that is anti-love in our life, it's always a spirit or an attitude of self-service. That claiming to know the heart of God without love is impossible. That if we claim, that's why I find it interesting, uh, different church group, religious groups that protest all kinds of things, protest veteran funerals, all kinds of silly stuff like that, and, then the, and the name of their group has church at the end of it. I'm like, oh, please don't. <laughs> say you're something else. Say you're the glee club. I don't know. Don't say church because you being a jerk and, 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 and behaving that way is not love. It's not operating in the way God operates. And so you really don't know God. You know, people that claim that they speak for the Bible, that they speak for the heart of God, but it's not in love. It's all in, in judgment and, and, uh, and, and, and rough. And that's not love. We have no inclination. You know, the, the people that Jesus was the roughest with were the people that knew better. But the people that needed him, he was the most gentle with. Because in 1 John, it describes God and says, God is love. That he himself, the one word that describes the totality of who he is, is love. That love completely describes the character and the heart of God. Lots of people, have you heard these stories about people that go to heaven? And one of the ones that just has kind of just stayed with me was they said, when, you, when I experienced, I went to heaven and they came back, they said, it's just felt like liquid love. 
It's the only way to describe it. Let's keep going in 1 Corinthians 13. And if I were to so generously as to give away everything that I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, but without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Now, you would think that giving your life as a burnt offering as a martyr would be something significant. You would think that giving away all that you, everything that you own, selling it all and feeding those that, that are disadvantaged would be good. But the Bible says that without an attitude and a position of love, it gains no value. That without love, my life is for nothing. If there's anything that I think that people are searching for in today's world is they're searching for significance. And in that significance, they're looking for a way to live out of the heart and the attitude of love. Because really, I'm getting ahead of myself, we really will never achieve the life that God designed for us to have if we don't find ourselves living in in that attitude of love. That my search for significance goes straight through love. That we'll never find who we were, we were meant to be on this planet until and unless my heart goes straight through the love of God. Now let's get started. And this hopefully is fun and painless, but I love starting out. That love endures long and is patient and is kind. I love the way that it lists it. So we're going to just take it line by line. We'll just see how far we get tonight. That endures long. That love, enduring love, enduring long is love is willing to go the distance with others. It's one thing to go the distance with people that you agree with. It's a whole different thing to go the distance with people that you don't agree with. It's one thing to stand with people that you're in perfect harmony with and you believe everything that they've done is right. It's a whole different thing to stand with people when you think that something's not right. But love endures long. Love goes the distance with people no matter what, no matter what they might be dealing with or going through. That love says, I'm going to stick with you. Love says, I'm going to endure long. Love says, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself because some of them are so good. We won't get them to them next week, this week, but next week. That I'm willing to go the distance. That love is patient. Love takes the time for others. And love takes the time with others. Have you ever wanted someone to change and you want them to change by yesterday? <laughs> Have you ever wanted somebody to turn their life a different direction and you were ready for them to do it within an hour? <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way. That many times what people that we are dealing with and go through, that, that, that they're figuring it out too. I'm grateful for the people that let me figure it out, that may, let me go through the process. But patient love is willing to take the time with people. Anything that doesn't take the time with people really isn't love. It's our timetable. And when we, when we don't meet the timetable, then we get disappointed and discouraged and distracted and irritated and overwhelmed. But patient love says, I don't need a timetable. That's tough. <laughs> That's real tough. But patient love says, I don't need a timetable. Kind. That love is kind to those who have nothing to offer in return. That true love, the true kindness and love expresses itself toward people who can give you nothing in return. 
who have nothing to give you in return. Love never is envious, boils over with jealousy, is is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. And I'm just, if you don't mind, I'm just going to take these point by point through your notes. That envious, love is not envious. Love is satisfied with what you have. What a place. What a place that I believe God designed us to be. That we're, we get to a place that we live in such a realm of love that we're satisfied with what we have. One of the things that I said this Sunday at the end of the worship set is that I think we really have lost the art of enjoying today. Taylor and I had lunch last week, and that was one of the things that he lets me preach at him, and then he kind of just agrees with me, and then we take up an offering, and I receive it. No, I'm just kidding. We don't take up an offering. Uh, But one of the things that we were talking about is that we never get to a point, or we never get, I shouldn't say never, but it's difficult to get to a point with all the things that we want to be different, it's difficult to get to a point where, we are, where we're satisfied and pleased and enjoy today. Tomorrow's a, tomorrow's a whooping to try to figure out. Yesterday is a lesson in futility. No way you can go back and change it. The only thing that you have control over, the only thing that I have control over is enjoying the right now. And I just have this feeling that we miss enjoying the people that are straight in front of us because we're too overwhelmed and too distracted and too moved off target by things that, can I be honest, that we really don't have any control over. Love enjoys today. That jealousy, love is not jealous. Love does not compare with what, to compare with, you, with what you have to what somebody else has. Social media, (laughs) holy cow. Have you ever, don't raise your hand, but have you ever got on social media and you clicked off of it and you felt worse about yourself? That you felt like, am I missing something? Did I, did I, did I, uh, did I do something wrong? They seem to have more, better, different, it's jealousy. Because it's a comparison of where they are, that their, their boyfriend, girlfriend's better looking, that their, their dates are, are, are more adventurous, more interesting. And once again, we, list, we miss the living in the now, and living in the now appreciates where you are and doesn't compare with what somebody else has. That it's not, love is not ba- boastful or vainglorious. Love is not insecure. Oh my, <laughs> I have preached to me. <laughs> love is not insecure. Now think about all the times in our life that we are insecure. But if we find that realm of love, that love that comes from knowing God, it's not boastful. It's not vainglorious. That love does not display itself haughtily. Love is a gracious winner. And love does not see itself as better than anyone else. We had this kid in our youth group years ago. And he had this horrible... uh, what do you call it, habit of always saying, I win. I wanted to throat punch him every time he said it. 
because I knew where that was going to lead his life. And so whatever it was, I mean, we could be, I don't know, picking up trash. I don't know. If he was better, he would declare, I win, I win. And certainly if we were playing a game like Nerts or something, anybody played Nerts before? Because let me tell you, if I'm losing, you're going to know. Yeah, I play with Lambden. We win. He says bad words, but we win. But let me tell you, if, John, if, if, if Jonathan's losing, you don't want to be around me because I'm highly competitive. But that's not love. I'll say it to me. That's not love. That love does not display itself haughtily. Chloe's enjoying this. <laughs> I'm just going to preach to Chloe. The funny thing about her is that she's enjoying this and she hasn't even looked up here. <laughs> she has her back completely to me. <laughs> Don't worry, many women turn their back on me. All right, love, love, love is not conceited. It is not arrogant. It is not inflated with pride. I hear this in school a lot. I teach high school, if you don't know. But I hear this a lot, and definitely with kids that are, I, I teach a lot of pre-AP classes, is that how many times they start a sentence with the word I? Oh, lots. Almost every sentence. And, then, you know, they're just kids. And, but have you, heard, have you heard adults or people that are, should know better that every sentence they start with Starts with the word I. And have you ever been, like, one, one time we would take ski trips or different stuff like that, and, and the, the church bus or the church van was just an I fest. <laughs> somebody would say something, what, what they did, and somebody else had to top that. Well, I did this. And at some point you're like, shut up. <laughs> shut up with the eyes. <laughs> Can we just, you know, play the alphabet game or something instead? That love is not conceited. Love does not take care of itself first. That, con that being conceited is always taking care of itself first. Have you ever been around somebody that they never pass a mirror that they don't like? <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen that? I mean, they walk past a mirror and they've they got to check themselves out. You know, you get my age, you run past mirrors. And God forbid the camera be turned around on your phone. That's scary. That's scarier than Freddy Krueger. I'll tell you that right now. When you turn your phone on and the camera's pointing to you, you're like, yeah. <laughs> now all y'all, you know, you don't have fat faces and all like that, so you can have the. My age is scary, or or worse yet, somebody passing by a a storefront that's glass and they're they're watching themselves. I know y'all don't know people like this, but I've seen them. <laughs> conceited why because they're always conscious about how they look that uh one of the things that i uh, try to do as as a as a leader of young men is demonstrate to young men how to behave and one of the things that i always tell young men is that never walk through a door in front of a woman Never go down an aisle in front of a woman unless, you know, unless you're walking into a haunted house or something. Don't walk in front of a, a woman. Know how to shake hands. You know, a lot of young men, they don't know that you're supposed to stand up to shake somebody's hand. You don't stay in a seated position. And, and you're supposed to have a firm handshake, not a wimpy one that you're barely holding on. 
And it's interesting to note that they just, young men don't know to do that. It's one of the things I like about Cole Bacon is that he's always a, a gracious person. I, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, Cole and I were talking about something and he told me thank you about four times about stuff I was just, we were talking about. That's, that's a heart of gratitude. That's, that's a, a person that doesn't think more highly of themselves than they, than they ought to. And let me, let me be honest, that's a man. And I don't, I don't know if that's politically correct to say, but, but they, know how to, they know how to interact with people. They know how to, to be. That arrogance, that love is secure in who he or she is. And love is comfortable in, in its own skin. That it's not pretentious. It's not trying to be something that it's not. Don't you, I'm jumping ahead, but don't you, don't you like being around people that are comfortable in their own skin, that they're not all t- uptight about everything? Love, love is secure. Love makes other people for secure. How, how you make others feel about themselves really says more about you than it does them. I, I hope, I pray, that how I treat people shows them that they have value, that they're... That they're, that they're worth God's love, most importantly. But I hope, I pray that's, that's all of our attitudes. That how they, when they, when they, when they walk away from us, how do they feel about themselves? Do they feel value? Do they feel worth? What, what a wonderful opportunity that is. That pride, love is not prideful. Love does not have to be the center of attention. I don't want to go any further than that. <laughs> the I win kid was the center of attention at every given opportunity. Let's keep going. That love, don't think that you're, oh, this is in Romans, don't think that you are better than you really are. <laughs> uh, you'll find out that you're not. We were talking about today that one of the things that I think young people deal with and I pray that it's none of you, but you see it in extreme cases in high schoolers and older teenagers, is that they've gone so much of their lives being the center of attention that they're, Sheila and I talk about, that at early ages they're little and they're told, you're so smart, you're so perfect, you're so cute. You're... And so they grow up thinking that they're exceptional. And when they find out they're not, <laughs> like we all do, then they're disappointed and they think something's wrong with them. You know, our dad used to always, forgive me being crude, but our dad used to always tell us that our poop stank like everybody else did. <laughs> and we believed it. What was the truth? <laughs> but when you don't think more highly of yourself, you think you're better than you really are, that's the operation of of love. Taylor, if you'll come on down. Love, we're not going to get all the way through the notes, so forgive me. But love is not rude, is not unmannerly, it does not act unbecomingly. It's not rude, it's not unmannerly, or act unbecomingly. That being rude says that you have little value for other people. And I don't care how much we want to justify being rude to whomever, but being rude, and here's the, here's the dangerous part, when we're rude to people that it doesn't matter. You're, we're, not in, we're not walking in love. 
And we have to check ourselves in the small parts of that. How many times when we're at a restaurant do we even look at the wait staff? There's many times, and I've been with people that they've got the menu in front of them. They come to take the order, and they'll just say, "Uh, yeah, give me the chicken enchiladas. And they never say thank you. They never acknowledge that person. It's like it's hired help or something. That says something about us. When Taylor and I had lunch last week at a restaurant that just was off the charts with their hamburgers, the little girl came up to the table, and her name was Jocelyn. And she said, hi, my name is Jocelyn. And I said, that is a pretty name. And she stopped for a second. She said, oh, thank you. They're not even used to being acknowledged as valuable people. And, and that's just not, as believers, that, that's not love. Some of the worst experiences, two things, some of the worst experience I've ever had at restaurants were with people that claim to be Christians and people that, that work restaurants say some of the worst times to work a restaurant is Sunday morning after church. People that have just come from the presence of the Lord, lifting their hands, worshiping Him, they go to a restaurant and they can't pe- treat human people with decency. So that's, that's not love. One of the things I... If you... Come in. <laughs> I don't know what that was. One of the things that I like, if you've been to Dwell Coffee Shop, one of the things that their phrase is is, have the best day ever. Taylor Perky came up with that. We need, it's, I think it's already been copyrighted, but if not, we're going to copyright it, and then we're going to sue everybody that uses it. But, <laughs> but I was telling him that that simple phrase, which is a marketing genius, by the way, is telling people, putting inside their lives, value for the day, and saying, having the best day, have the best day ever. And Taylor's the sole creator of that, we, you should see us. It's like a, it's like a mark, marketing slap fest when he and I get together. He's usually giving me ideas and slapping down mine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that. Is somebody's pacemaker going off in here? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but love recognizes people no matter where you are. And if you think about it, how much of our lives do we pass by people and we don't even acknowledge that they're there? But I think the, I think the heart that is striving to live in love is that heart that when you pass by somebody, you acknowledge them. We're going to stop right there for tonight. I remember... A guy named Stephen Furtick, he's got a church in North Carolina, and he was talking about him driving on the freeway. And he says, you know what my biggest challenge is? Is just going ballistic over people on the freeway. He said, there's people on there that, that are going under the speed limit in the inside lane. Is, that, is anybody else that just sends you straight to rage? <laughs> but here's what... Pastor Stephen said, he said, you know what, the same people that I'll get behind in the freeway and just be in an almighty fit, ready to to get out and 
bust chops. If those people were in my church, I'd be hugging them. (laughs) I mean, there's the irony of it all. On the freeway, I'm going to kick your rear end. Come in my church, I'm going to hug you. Because our mindset is different in different situations instead of saying, God, let me live a heart of love that no matter where I am, we have a little couple. They sit right back there on that last row. Their name's James and Jeannie Harper. What do you think? They're probably in their 80s, something like that. They were driving in. They've got one of those new Ford Edges. The thing does everything for you. Everything. Tells you when you're getting out of the lane. I think it moves you back in, all this other stuff. Well, they're obviously an older couple. And they were saying that they were at an intersection. And this car, this man, whomever, was so irritated with them. I mean, if you look at them, you, even though they're in great shape, you, they're obvious they're older people. The guy gets out of his car, <laughs> ready to fight 80-something-year-old James Harper. And I think she was telling you this story, wasn't she, Melinda? And you have to know Mrs. Harper. She's ready to get out and kick some <laughs> I think she said it to you that she was ready to kick his... <laughs> But what have we come to as a society? That you would get out of your car at an intersection, ready to fight old people. <laughs> yes. But if we're not careful, it's easy to get caught up in that. If you look at just the political interaction that I hate to say this, it's only going to get worse as we get closer to the 2020 election. But how many videos have you seen where people are thrown water on or the ball cap they're wearing that has the wrong message is flicked off or one dude getting punched, I mean, just sucker punched right in the side of the face just because he was, had the wrong ideology? What have we become? And if we're not careful as believers, we'll find ourselves living in that same venue where we're ticked off about everything, we're ready to fight at every opportunity. And, and let me wrap up tonight by saying this, that walking in, a, in an attitude and a place of love is more for us than it is for anybody else. Because if I walk in love, that's freeing to me. And, and I don't know about you, but I need all the freedom I can get. And if you're like me, you've probably had some opportunities, maybe even recently, where you didn't want, there's been a recent one, I didn't want to walk in love about it. I wanted to walk in rage (laughs) and the wrath and fury of God. But as I started out in telling you, God always turns it around and puts the focus, the spotlight on Jonathan's heart. And I'm glad he does. But let me just tell you, it's not fun. (laughs) But you know what? He's more interested in our lives. He's more interested in us living in a love, the freedom of love, than having our way about everything. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, I thank you that you've ministered to our hearts. God, like you always do with me, I believe that you 
pinpoint places in our lives where we're not walking in love. And not because you're cruel, and not because you're a taskmaster, but because you have a desire, a driven desire for our hearts to be free. And so, Lord, let us have that attitude where we thank you every time you point that out to us, every time you show us that you should have been more polite, you should have been more gracious, you should have been more inviting, you should have been more understanding, you should have been more long-suffering, that, God, those are your ways of directing and shaping and guiding our lives and our hearts. So we just tell you right now, God, how grateful we are for every single one of those. In Jesus' name, amen.